we all have a major problem. One that all of us have. Do you know what it is? How many of you have got a problem? Who knows what the problem is that we all have? The problem is that we talk too much. True? Do you know how many, roughly, roughly we say about 7,000 words a day? 7,000. That's 49,000 a week. Let me check. About 215,000 every month, which makes over 2 million words a year. That's a lot of words. Sorry? What does it do to your throat exactly? That's why we have to have lozenges and things. Apparently, we speak about three years non-stop of our, in our whole lifetime. If you get about 80, anybody 80 plus? You've, you've spoken over, th nobody's admitting to it. You've spoken over three years of your life as though you'd spoken non-stop by the time you get to 80 years of age. That's a lot of words. And the problem is not so much that we speak so much, but the problem is in what we actually say, isn't it? See, our problem, as James says, is with our tongues. Now, it's really hard what James says today, so I've livened it up a little bit with tongue pictures just for you, okay? The problem James says is, and he starts his book by telling us the same thing. Remember back in James 1.19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. He says, cut the 7,000 down. Cut it right down. That's why God gave you two ears and one mouth and slow to become angry. In 126, he says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. James says, you know what? We have a problem here. And our reading today is all about how we use our mouths and our tongues in chapter 3 in the book of James. It's all about this. Let's read it together. He says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We're not off to a good start, are we, right here? Hands up, teachers. I guess I'm one of them, too, right? Nobody else been a teacher? Hands up if you've taught anybody anything. Hands up if you're in church and you're not being honest. Exactly. We're all teachers, aren't we? When you go to a coffee and you give advice about life, are you not teaching? Exactly. Hands up, teachers. Come on, be honest in church. Right, so not many of you should become these, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect able to keep their whole body in check. 
When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters. This should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. The tongue, James says, is a problem. He says to us that, first of all, it's really powerful. As I said, it's not a good start. He says not many of you should be teachers. Why? Because the more people who listen to you, the greater the influence you have, right? If any of us teach, if any of us stand up in front of others, if any of us talk to a larger audience than maybe just one person in a coffee shop, then, then you have a greater influence over people. The potential for those people to follow what you're saying is great. And therefore, he says, you're going to be judged more strictly on what you say and what you don't say. So think about that before you desire to have great influence. Because those words, he says, we can use to tear down and to build up. We can use them to destroy people. We can use them to build up people. It has a great power in our tongues. You know that for your own life, don't you? You know that for yourself. You know the times where you said something and it's built someone up and, and they've remembered it for years and years and years and you also know the times where you've said something and it's pulled them right down. When I was in, uh, in school, in, in secondary school, in high school, I used to play basketball. I was on the basketball team. I went up for a ball one time, actually like this, and somebody came and they went Whoosh! with their arm right across, snapped my wrist, broke the bone. I went home, I said, Mom, this doesn't feel right. And then my brother, two years older than me, being of a medical profession, not, he said, if you can just swing your arm around like this, he said, then it's definitely not broken. So I went, yeah, well, I can do that, right? Well, definitely not broken, he said. Don't know how he was supposed to know. But anyway, so my mum took his side of the story, as usual. 
sent me back to school in the afternoon, carried on, went out with a friend in the evening, and all afternoon and all evening, I, I could hear the bone kind of going, as I was doing this. And I was going, this doesn't feel right somehow. I hope my mum's not watching this, I'd get in trouble. I woke up the next day, my wrist was hanging off at 90 degrees, the bone had completely separated like this, and my wrist was literally at 90 degrees because there was nothing holding it together. I went in in the morning and I said, this doesn't look quite right. My medical opinion raced me up to the hospital. I get told off by the doctor in the hospital and he says, when did you do this? I said, yesterday. And he said, and you waited like 24 hours before you came in. Are you some kind of idiot? And I just said, well, my brother. I was so proud when I went home with my, my cast on my wrist. See, I said, see, it was broken all along. Now, you know what? That heals, apart from a great story, and I can keep winding my brother up and my mum up about it, it heals up. But I remember words that have been said to me that never heal, can't you? People say things to us, and it's not like a bone that breaks and heals, and now I can use it again, and I can still play basketball or tennis or anything else with it. Some of those words that go inside of us, they never heal, do they? Because the tongue is so powerful. Sticks and stones may break our bones, but words, what does it say? Can never hurt us. That's rubbish. And I bet as I'm talking, you all can remember words that have been said to you which have shaped who you are today because of the power that they have in our lives. Jesus said these words, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick, pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Ooh, those are strong words. James says it's like a rudder or a bit in the mouth of a horse. It's small, but it's powerful. It's influential. Like a rudder on a massive ship that can turn the whole ship. Jesus says these words. He says that it's out of the heart that the mouth speaks. It's powerful because it is a window on what's going on inside. And that makes it even more scary, doesn't it? Because we all know those times where we said things and we kind of go, my days, that's just shown you. And what do we say in those moments? I didn't really mean it. But what does Jesus say? Yes, you did. Because actually all it's doing is it's vocalizing what's in here and the inside. 
when you say something, when something slips out, it's because that's what's going on inside. It's powerful. He also says it's really, really dangerous. Verses 5b and 6. He says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. The tongue is really, really dangerous. I was reading recently about a woman who committed suicide. And she left a note beside her bed before she killed herself. And it had two words written on it. They said. That was it. They said said. Kind of says it all, doesn't it? It's so dangerous, our tongues. How many of those two and a half million words that we said last year will be like to take back? How many will we like to just lose them? Proverbs says it. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death. James says here, it can cause a forest fire from a small spark. We know that to be true. We know that sometimes one little word said to one person can have such a ripple effect. It just takes one little spark, doesn't it? It set a whole forest on fire. When I was in Uganda years ago, I was there as a missionary when I was 20. We, we were, there used to be forest fires the whole time in the dry season. It gets so dry and no rain for months and months and months and months. And then it's just one little spark, one little piece of glass left on the roadside or whatever. One, one and then the sun is beating down and it's so hot and it just ignites one little stick and then one little stick and then the whole horizon starts. You know, we were woken up one night and, and we saw this, the whole horizon was on fire and it's coming towards where we were living. And we're like, whoa, what are we going to do? What's gonna, nothing's going to stop it. So we prayed and we, we took our little uh, machetes out, our kangas, and we went out and we just started trying to make a fire break and putting the fire out and we were out there battling this forest fire. You can't phone a fire brigade. No one's going to come and help you. There's no source of water. So you just have to kind of beat it down and try and put it out as best you can. One spark. And we know that to be true too for, for families, don't we? One thing that one person says to one person in a family and the whole family falls apart. Sides are taken, and it goes on for generation and generation. And even they don't remember what the original argument was, but they know who they hate and who they love. And what's it all about? I don't know. Well, we don't like that side of the family. One spark. 
has so much impact, James says. But also, he says, it has it in us too. It has a communal aspect, but it has an individual damage as well. It says it corrupts the whole person. And he says, you know what? It can be used by the enemy. It comes from the enemy so often when we use our tongues. It comes, he says, from hell itself. And the word for hell that's used here is Gehenna. Gehenna was the, the kind of the rubbish dump outside. It's in a valley outside of Jerusalem. And that's where they used to chuck all the rubbish from Jerusalem. If you look back in Jeremiah, there's occasions where they used to originally offer sacrifices, babies, and, and the firstborn used to be sacrificed in this valley of Gehenna. And then later it was a, a place where uh, when the Babylonians came in and they wiped out all the, all the Israelites when they took over Jerusalem, they threw all the bodies in there. It's a place, a place of misery, a place of hell. And then they used it later as a rubbish dump and it used to just be a light all the time with, with the garbage from, from Jerusalem. And that's their picture of hell. This place of fire and burning. And he says that's, that's where it's born when we say these things that we wish we couldn't we wouldn't say it's the place where the enemy lives James says uh, our tongues are powerful they're dangerous and he also says it's completely and utterly untamable he says it's a restless evil restless being it's, it's just waiting waiting for something waiting to strike like a cobra that's, that's reared up and it's just about to go. I'm from that generation that was brought up on, uh, on Western movies, cowboys and Indians. Do you remember those? If you're like me, John Wayne and all that lot. And always somewhere in those movies there was an Indian guy and he always used to say the same line in every single movie. White man, spit. you know what it is, what is it? Come on. White man speaks with forked tongue. And what does it mean? It means that you can't trust a white guy because he's not going to tell you the truth. He'll say one thing, but he'll do something else. Not true for the native North Americans, true for the white people. White man speaks with forked tongue because they're never true, they're never consistent. James says the same thing. He obviously hadn't watched the movies. But he says the same thing. We speak with forked tongue. We, we, what do we do? We sing praises like we have to God today. Miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the dark. And what are we going to do? We'll go out there and we'll start gossiping. Did you, did you see what she was wearing? <laughs> you know, over lunch. You know? We go out and we, we are, we're all forked tongues, not just white. Man and woman speak with forked tongue. True? Not just white men, is it? No. All the white men are going, no, it's not, no, it's not. Right? Because we gossip and we, we, we speak in half-truths. And, and today you don't even know what truth is anymore, do you? I mean, I, I've been looking at stuff from Gaza and all this kind of thing, and you're kind of going, I don't even know what's true and what isn't true. One, one side's saying there's all these tunnels and everything else, and the other side, no, there isn't. You know, same, same thing happened when 
you know, we went into Iraq and the weapons of mass destruction that were never found because who knows if they were ever there or not there. And nobody really knows anymore, do they? What is true anymore? What is real anymore? Like when we look at the news, is it, is it really the truth? Is it, you know? I don't know. And then, then you, you're kind of like, we, we're looking back in the, in the news now, aren't we, about what happened during COVID, and we're kind of finding out that all the things that we were told, are they really true, are they not true? The government, like, it wasn't even following its own advice. So, so And James says the same thing. He says, you know what, one minute you're praising God, and the next minute, what are we doing with our mouths? We go out there and somebody cuts us up or something doesn't go our way and are we still, hallelujah, way maker, miracle worker? No, we're not. But we meet up with friends and we start talking about people or situations and what happens? And he says, that shouldn't be. That can't be. And the question we have ourselves is, that tongue is powerful, eh? It's long. It has a long reach. But when you look at this passage from James, you kind of go, well, is everything just hopeless then? Like, he doesn't really give any much advice, does he, as to what we're supposed to do about this situation we find ourselves in. We have forked tongues, yes, we know. And what are we supposed to do about it? James, like, John just finished there, and then go on to talk about two kinds of wisdom. Like, that's not really helpful. We know the problem. What's the solution? Well, in verse 8, he says this. He says, But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And in there, I think he gives us a clue as to where we need to go. How? How do we tame our tongues. How can we be more careful about these things? Well, the first thing I think we have to confess. We have to admit that we, we're in trouble here, people. Right? Every week goes by and probably without, unless I was away on a silent retreat, which I'm not sure I could handle anyway, not for a whole week. But like every week goes by, and I probably without fail, because I talk a lot, there's something I say that I wish I hadn't said. Now, I don't know if that's just me, or whether that's true for you guys too. If you like, you can just say, well, that's Pastor David's problem. I'll leave it with you. But I think the first thing is to... We have to admit, we have to confess, you know what, i got a problem here. I love singing praises to Jesus, but then also I catch myself saying things that I wish I hadn't said. And the beautiful thing is we have to come and confess. We have to say, Lord, you know me. Search me and know me. Know my inmost thoughts. You know a word before it's upon my lips. You know it completely, oh God. And I confess that 
my mouth is untamable. I need your help. And then the second thing we have to do is ask God for it. Because as James says in verse 8, no man can tame. No human being can control their tongue. And he's saying there is only one that can help. There is only one man that's ever kept his tongue clean. And that was Jesus. You're in church. It has to be. It has to be. Right? But apart from Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit to help us, to reveal to us, to show us. We're not on our own. No man, he said, but only God. Look to God. Ask God. Ask Him for His help. Ask Him. Keep on asking Him. Lord, I messed up. I confess. Help me to do better. Lord, I messed up again. Help me to do better. Lord, thank you for that moment where I almost said something, but I bit it and, it, and it didn't come out. Thank you. Help me to grow in that. Help me. Help me so that what comes out of my mouth builds up and doesn't pull down. Help me. Help me, help me. Ask God for help. The third thing, well, as Jesus said, the problem is not your tongue, is it? The real problem is your heart. Because out of your heart, your mouth speaks. So if you just ask God to deal with your mouth, it's not going to deal with the problem, right? Because the problem is deeper than that. The problem is inside of me and inside of you. It's like, Lord, I need a transformation inside so that my tongue speaks what comes out from inside. If my inside is pure, if my inside is holy, if my inside is walking in tune with you, if my inside is full of the Spirit of God, then what comes out of my mouth will be the Spirit of God. But the problem is that my inside is not full of you, my inside is full of me. And because it's full of me and my fallenness and my sinfulness and, and my human way of thinking, then what comes out of my mouth resembles what's going on inside my heart, in my character, who I am. Lord, change me. Change me from the inside. How many of you read your Bibles at least four times, four days last week? Good. All of us should put our hands up, right? Because if we don't, how are we going to change? It's one of the ways he changes us is when we're in his word. When we're in his word, when we pray, when we sing praises to him. Why do we do worship? Because when we worship, when we sing praises, we're proclaiming his, his, who he is. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. Right? Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have given, the hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness. Just sing whatever comes to your mind. Sing, sing the hymns, sing the modern chorus, sing whatever you like. Sing scripture. Because as we do that, we're affirming, we're, we're teaching ourselves, we're allowing the Spirit of God, we're giving avenues to the Spirit of God to change me on the inside. When I read, I'm opening my spirit up for the Holy Spirit to touch my spirit. And when the Holy Spirit touches my spirit, it then touches my soul, my heart, which then touches my body, and out of my mouth will come good things. 
Why did Jesus not have so much of a problem with his tongue? Because his spirit was pure. And therefore his character was pure, and therefore what he spoke was pure. But that's not true for me, and I, I know it's not true for you too, because we're fallen and we're human. But let his spirit change you. Make it a goal in your life. There's no point trying to control your tongue if what's going on inside is a mess. Let him sort the inside out so that your tongue speaks from the outside of what's inside of you. Let God's spirit change. And lastly, monitor. One of the best ways you can tell your relationship with Jesus Christ how close you are, how you're allowing the Spirit of God, whether you're in step with the Spirit of God or not, is by listening to yourself speak. You know that? When I am walking and journeying with God, when I am being spiritual in that sense, when I am, when I am in tune with God, what comes out of my mouth is way more holy, way more affirming, way more about building up, way more about building the kingdom of God in people's lives and in situations around. And when I am struggling, when I am relying on my own resources, when I've, when I've messed up and I've turned my back on God for a bit and I'm, I'm going in my way, you know what comes out of my mouth? Rubbish. Just ask my wife. She'll tell you. Rubbish comes out, right? Why? Because I, I'm, it, it's just a monitor on where I'm at. And then I have to confess, I have to turn, I have to go back and say, Spirit of God, get back into the Word, back into prayer, back into worship, back into the things that are going to transform me and, and give the Spirit that openness and that opportunity to do something in my life. And when I do that, then transformation and change happens. And what does it spell? How good is your pastor to think of that? I even impressed myself with humility, you understand, with humility, in a humble way. But that's what it produces, calmness. The peace of God which passes all understanding. God's what? Your heart and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. As we continue to confess, ask, let God's Spirit change us and monitor, that calmness will come within you and me. And then our tongues begin more and more to be used as a blessing of God, rather than the way that James describes it. You see, our tongues are incredibly powerful for good as well as for evil. We can use the tongues under the influence of the Holy Spirit, like Jesus did, to build people up incredibly. Just think about what Jesus did in the Gospels. Woman with the bleeding came and touched, and he said, who touched me? And they're like, what are you talking about? Everybody's just pushing and jostling you around. It's like January sales going on here. What? He says, no, no, the power went out of me. Do you know what he called that woman? What did he call her? 
when she said it was me. You know? He said, daughter, your faith has healed you. The only time in any of the Gospels Jesus is ever recorded as calling anybody daughter. What's he saying to her? He said, you know what? You're family. You, you were an outcast because of your bleeding. Now you're family. And he didn't just heal her physically. He healed her emotionally, relationally in that moment. He said, you're part of the kingdom as I am. On the cross, what did he say? Today you're with me in paradise. He used woman that was caught in adultery. You without sin cast the first stone. The leper, come over here by your faith. Let me touch you. Let me heal you. You're healed. You're clean. Bartimaeus who was blind. You know, your faith has made you Everything Jesus did was to build people up, and that's what he wants for you and me too. James is really negative, isn't he? He's a bit of a downer, to be honest. I read that and I thought, oh my days, how am I not going to let everybody just go out there, have lunch and go, oh, just what's the point? And I'm thinking, you know what? When I read the Gospels, our tongues are so powerful. They can be used by God for such glory, for such a building of the kingdom of God if we confess when we mess up, if we ask him to help us and to use us to flow through us, to transform our inside so that I am in tune with the Spirit of God, so that my mouth becomes a mouthpiece of the Spirit himself. I pray that that will be true for you and for me. Let me ask you one more question. What's your tongue been up to lately? Think back over the last week. Are there things you said that we need to confess? Let's pray. Father.